Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and a radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30, 45, or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes, don't pay for it. Want to do 30 minutes now and maybe 30 minutes later? Once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you. If you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all and can help you succeed like I have so many others, it's super simple. Just go to jobinterviewexperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you want to meet and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over, you won't get charged any more than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, the faster you land that dream job. Go to jobinterviewexperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today. Welcome to the job interview experience. I'm a former executive recruiter, search from owner, director of talent acquisition, and today, your host of the job interview experience, Ginny Ray LaRue, broke into top management consulting firm Bain after shaving her head, traveling around the world, and sailing the Atlantic. Her career has been anything but boring from tech startups to big corporates to buying real estate and businesses. She now leads management consulting the leading global community for over 3 million consultants, internal consultants and consultants to be. Ginny is here to share the unexpected benefits of consulting, maybe share a little bit more about what consulting is today versus in the past, how it can help you as job seekers get unstuck and how she has helped people get good at things that demand a high value in the market, like analytics, presentations and persuasion. Ginny, welcome to the job interview experience. So excited to be here and excited to share my crazy story and the encouragement for my community with your audience. I was so excited to get you here and I hope you're working on a book that I can read. But until then, your story is so intriguing. Can you give us highlights of your journey and what led you to where you are today? I've always joked, I have written two books. The two books I say are the most boring books about business, unless you're interested in consulting, then they're the most interesting books you've ever read. But they are really focused on part of my journey and part of what I felt were the assumptions that I needed to tear down in order to enter the world of consulting. I graduated with a degree in economics from the University of Virginia and promptly decided that I would never do anything in business, but I wanted to become a doctor. I wanted to have some wild experience before I entered the professional field. And so I traveled for a year. And in that year, I really developed an on the ground understanding of how amazing business is as a creative problem solver for the world's problems. And I've just never looked back. It's been business all the way for me since then. Uh, my career took me to consulting after I actually did a stint in public policy, really a focus on financial public policy in South Africa. I worked there for about two and a half years and I was working with these large international organizations and they were all trying to promote small business growth. And while doing that, I attended a wedding with a woman who was working as a consultant. And if I was totally honest, I would have had no idea what that actually was. 
But she just told me a little bit about how the experience of working with her clients had trained her, the amazing analytical options that she had, the conversations that she had with CEOs to shape their businesses, really honestly, before she deserved that right in her career. And she just said, hey, you know, what you're doing is similar to what I'm doing. I think that you should apply. And that was the my, my first foray into consulting. Now I worked at Bain & Company, one of the world's top consulting firms. When I exited, I worked for two tech startups. And then uh, I came back to consulting. I worked in management consulted. I ended up buying the company and transitioning into ownership there because I really believe in consulting as a skill building methodology. I believe in it as a practice. I believe that it's beneficial to businesses and the business community at large. And I also think that it's really beneficial to talent. So I'm excited to share a little bit more about it today. Before we do that, you can't tease us about shaving your head without giving us a little backstory. Great. So I I was immune to peer pressure and very uncool in middle school and high school. But my moment when I caved to it was when somebody dared me right before I traveled around the world to shave my head. And I think that she identified that I had been harping on about the fact that I had this long hair. It was going to be so difficult to take care of on the road and, and doing all these wild, adventurous things that I had planned. I was traveling almost exclusively in the developing world, chicken buses and really basic accommodation where it was either $1 without aircon or $2 with aircon for a room per night, right? Just really adventurous times. And I just kept saying, guys have this total advantage. They're able to walk around and shake off in the morning after a shower. And wouldn't that be great to do? I should shave my head. And I was just blowing hot air and she totally called me on it. And she was like, you could keep talking about it or you could just shave it right now today. And there was just something in, the, in me that felt that challenge and saw it and the peer pressure took over. And so I went for a walk. I went to the grocery store. I like took two hours to think about it. And I came home and I said, take it all off. I had about 18 inches of hair that she just shaved that day. <laughs> and I walked Pretty into cool. my job the next day. They didn't even recognize me. I looked like a totally different person. Glad you did. Absolutely. Would do it again in a heartbeat. And also just felt as a woman in business, it was a great definition moment where you didn't realize how much of your identity is shaped by your appearance and your hair. And I felt like I was liberated in my time. I felt like I was liberated just to my face was there all of a sudden in a way that I hadn't even noticed. And so I would recommend for everybody who needs a little bit of wild liberation, go for it and do it once. Your hair grows back. My hair is beautiful. I love my hair. It was a thing that was a great experience I'd recommend for anybody. That's really cool. Can you share with us two things, what you do at Management Consulted today, and then maybe give us a rundown overall what a consultant does these days, what that means for our listeners that aren't as familiar with the term? 100%. So let me flip those around if that's all right. I'll start with what a consultant does, and then I'll talk a little bit about what we do as an organization. And maybe I'll just preface this by saying consulting has really evolved. And so there's a lot of misconceptions about what consulting is because they're tied to the old definition of consulting. So when consulting started as a profession, it's not the oldest profession on earth. It's, it's one of them, but not the oldest. It is a, It was really from accountants that were looking at the data of companies and they were looking backward. And they were saying, this is interesting. You have this profile of your assets or you have this growth area in your business. And they sat around and they were looking for a new business and they, they said, maybe what we should do is help them look forward, 
right? Use their backward-looking data that we already know, we're auditing it, and help them figure out what they should do going forward. And because of that, because at the time in the 40s and 50s of the last century, the focus was really on accounting firms being specialized in industries. That's how consulting grew up. So it was a 65-year-old white male who had worked in a field for his whole life. He was an automotive specialist because he had one job in automotive. And then he became a consultant to automotive companies. That was what they did. That was who they hired. That was what consulting used to be. In the 1980s, because of the rapid growth in the U.S. economy, as things really began to globalize around the world, as a lot of the BRIC countries began to really develop um, and have their own workforces, consulting firms asked a pretty hard question, which was, how can we develop labor and train people to do things that previously only a 65-year-old expert could do? And that was really when the second generation of consulting started, which is a tools-based approach. And they said, we should be able to take a 23-year-old or a 24-year-old with no business experience. Maybe they have an MBA, maybe they don't. And we should be able to bring them in and teach them how to look at a business through core frameworks, right? How do you break down the five levers of competition in a business? Or how do you think about the four pieces of profitability? Or how do you structure the important parts of a deal for an M&A transaction? And they became these academic publishing houses that were creating methodologies to assess businesses. And really, almost every good business book that's out there today is an example of part of that lexicon. It's people who thought about how to think about businesses. And um, so that was part of the generation that I became part of. I joined Bain Consulting in 2005. I knew that Bain was a big deal, but I didn't know until I kind of got on the other side how big of a big deal it is. Um, and so part of what we do now at Management Consultant is that we help connect people not just to the kind of un, unparalleled top three consulting firms, Bain, McKinsey, and Boston Consulting Group, but we also help connect them with boutique consulting firms that focus on specific industries, practice area consulting firms that focus on things like supply chain or technology transformation. And we also help the companies themselves connect back to people who are interested in jobs. So people like me who thought I want to do business and social justice and entrepreneurship became interested in consulting because it was a pretty unique value proposition for training for all of my business career. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What would you say are the benefits of being a consultant versus an employee? Totally. Consulting is actually a pretty stable 
function, which is I thought was kind of odd because they're outside advisors, but uh, consultants are necessary in times of economic change. They are an organization that firms rely on to help them navigate stormy waters. So one of the things is just reliability. You're going to get hired into a firm and they will not fire you. Bain has done zero layoffs ever. And that was kind of a remarkable thing that I didn't recognize was really valuable about the, the consulting firm. So they do slow hiring, and I'll talk a little bit about that later. I think it's important to recognize that it is a very economically challenging and uncertain time for many companies. So they don't necessarily hire until they're sure they can keep you. But once you're there, they're, they're very committed to their people and to their employees. Uh, the second is that these organizations, their product is people. So they invest inordinately in the people. Whereas if you work in a corporation, let's say you work at Target. Target's a great organization, right? But Target's job is not to train you and to deliver people services. Target's job is to deliver products to consumers in stores. And so your job at Target is a piece of a much bigger picture, whereas your job at a consulting firm is everything. That's who you are and what you do is everything that they do. And so they invest in training in ways that I have just never seen at other companies. At Bain, I was trained for two weeks at the beginning. Every Friday, once a month, I had a mentor. I had a sponsor. I had 17 reviews in one and a half years to begin my process. Every project, once a month for my first six months, every six months after that, right? And and it's just this this system of pretty rapid and high investment professional training that I just have never seen anywhere else. Um, and the third thing that I would just mention is that in consulting, if you're just not 100% sure that what you do is one of what you want to do for your whole life, you get to go build those versatile skills. And so I didn't know when I went in that I wanted to buy companies and buy real estate. And now we're in the process of buying a winery. I didn't know that I wanted to have the tools to buy things but I knew that I wanted to have the tools to assess businesses. And so I didn't know that was how it would be applied. I was able to train and then figure that out while I was there. Bain in particular did for me a couple of different projects for owner-driven organizations, private equity firms and hedge funds. And then I was able to kind of in those conversations say, actually, the, the people on the other side of the table, that's who I want to be at some point in my future. So the exposure you have, the training that you get that's so versatile, and really the focus on people, I think, is a really remarkable value proposition for consulting. It sounds like with some younger consultants that are getting into that industry, the companies are almost more hiring them on who they are than making them into who they can be to be effective versus just hiring on skills and then never developing again. Is that correct? It's a remarkable insight because a lot of people, when we're training them for the interview process, they always want to rely on, I've done this before, I have the expertise. And we have to train them out of that. And instead of coming in and saying, I've worked in financial services before, we tell them, you can mention it if you're working for in financial services, but it indicates that you like financial services, not that you're an expert in financial services. The firms so deeply trust their own training and development and onboarding process that they're looking for raw material. They're looking for people hungry to learn, versatile in their thinking habits, committed to convincing others about 
great ideas inside organizations. They're looking for that raw horsepower. And they'll take, we've seen elephant trainers and lawyers and people who have done very odd and unusual things in their careers. And the firms can identify, hey, that's the kind of person that we can use in our training process and help you become a really dynamic business leader. So it's a powerful insight that you have there. Is there an ideal journey for people that are looking to get into consulting? When, when is it too early? When is it too late? Yeah, we have high schoolers writing us, so I don't know if there is a too early. The, the firms don't hire in high school, but they actually do begin their hiring process in someone's sophomore year of college. And some of the firms that have like pretty traditional pipelines, like the big four, Deloitte, PwC, um, KPMG, et cetera, and then the top three, McKinsey, Bain, BCG, a lot of the well-established boutique firms like Kearney or uh, Alvarez and Marcel. If you don't know any of these firms, we have tons of content on our site about them. But those organizations begin hiring early. They have big talent pipelines. They look for people and they know that they're competing with other top organizations. The value proposition of consulting is amazing. We haven't even talked about pay, but you get paid really well on top of being treated really well and having a really interesting job. And you get to sit in the room at 22, 23, if you're an intern at 20 with a CEO of a company, you don't deserve to be there. And the opportunity to be a part of those organizations is competitive, but they're competing with banking, with technology, with other investing organizations, and those groups start early too. There isn't really a too early. You can think about in high school what schools train you and deploy you into these kinds of jobs. There are target schools. I went to the University of Virginia, never thought about it, but happened to show up at a target school for some of these firms. That was a really great thing. So you can ask when you're thinking about college where it is. You can also transition in your 40s and 50s. And so the firms are looking for different kinds of people at different places. I would say it skews easier younger because they are looking for you to have done something, but not a lot. They love to train you. They want you to stay for a long time. And there's a fewer bad habits the younger you are from the firm's perspective. And so there really isn't a too early, there isn't a too late, but it is a little bit easier when you're younger. Let's talk about pay. Paid in the consulting world differ from a W-2 employee. In consulting, you are actually a W-2 employee of the consulting firm, but the consulting firm is charging you out at usually three to five times what your monthly revenue is. And so their model is take you, multiply you times three to five, have the client pay for that. And then out of the profit, they pay for offices, all the training that we're talking about, an offsite in Portugal, whatever they happen to do. And they are really excited to use that. And then sometimes a portion of your pay will then be redeployed back to you in the form of a bonus. Organizations usually have a bonus structure that is effectively preset. It's a part of your salary. They pre-plan for it. It's based on your performance. They have a secondary piece that's based on the firm's performance. And so if the firm does really well, if they're a highly profitable organization in that year, then you will see a piece of that too. And the compensation for an undergrad will start in the 70s, 80s, and $90,000 range um, for a grad student in the $150,000 to $180,000 range and that's before your bonus. So it's a pretty great place to start. I, I would say though, the one thing that we have a salaries report, which I, we can link to in the show notes. I think it was one of the links Let's do that. that we sent you, but we can link to that for sure. But it, we actually 
get uh, as a pay it forward we have provide a free salary report every year people who get offers send us all of their offer letters and so we report out for multiple firms for multiple positions what the exact numbers are for each one of those organizations part of what we have discovered is a power piece that i just don't want to be remiss to mention is not just your starting pay but actually your pay escalation you asked for kind of the difference between a w-2 and a consulting firm, again, you're W-2, you have benefits. It's not like you're an independent consultant who it's feast or famine. If you kill something, you get to eat it. No, you're eating all the time. Your second year, you usually escalate pay around 20%. In industry, it's four to five. It's kind of like a cost of living increase. In your second year, which is often a promotion year or your third year, you increase your pay by 50%. So the pay ramp is so much faster than in industry that people will often consider consulting years like dog years, right? Like you put into consulting years and then all of a sudden you come out and your job description and your comp fits an eight-year professional inside another organization. Whether you stay or whether you go, you have a comp position to negotiate from that's really valuable. Probably fairly hard to leave at that point. <laughs> the golden handcuffs are real. I can imagine a lot of people hear what you're saying and they're thinking, I'd never thought of being a consultant before, but I feel like I have so much more I can do. I just haven't received training. My company mm -hmm. does two hours of training a year or, or whatever. So I think there's a lot of people that know there's more horsepower. They're just not quite sure how to rev the engine or, or how to yeah. get there. Practically, you probably don't Google become a consultant and things just magically start happening. What's the path to get there, to get that pay, to get that training, job security, yeah. things like that? Well, let me talk about a couple of different avenues. So there are really three ways you can become a consultant with these kind of consulting skills. And one is the pathway we've talked about already, which is that you go directly to the consulting firms. Another is that for those of you that are interested, you may be interested in becoming a consultant because you do have some form of expertise, or you do have a skill that you think is repeatable, that you know that people would pay more for than what you're making internally. And the third, or you may actually really like your job, you just want more support there, more training there. And I think we have an option for all three of those. So I wanna talk about the three different scenarios because I think they could really help folks. The first one is that if you're interested in applying to consulting firms, recognize that because their product is people, they're super, super stringent about what they're looking for when you come in. So having an, a fantastic resume and cover letter and actually having a conversation with somebody who is not an executive recruiter is really important. And let me just mention this here, like recruiters play a really important role, but they're like the bouncers of consulting. They kind of keep people out. And so they're looking for filters that might indicate you are not a great fit. They're looking for people who they think have credible brand name experience that they communicate in a super professional way. So we recommend that people go around those guys directly to somebody who's working at the firm. The firms have a very strong referral culture. In fact, when I was at Bain, they would pay me around five grand if somebody came to me and said, hey, I'd really like to work at Bain. And if I was like, that would be a great fit for Bain. We should interview this person. And then that person got an interview and got a job and came to the firm, I would get a bonus. And so a lot of people would actually really be happy to talk to you about their careers. But just going in unprepared and going in through the front door instead of the back door actually will work against people who might be interested in consulting. So it takes some research, 
some preparation. My firm helps a lot of people. We help, we've helped 10,000 people do this to break into consulting. And if that's something that you're interested in, we're happy to help and we can answer questions along the way as well. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The second option is that you can build a consulting firm. And we have a program for that too. We do coaching where if you say, hey, this is something that I'm interested in, we walk with consulting firms to help them grow. And so that can be somebody who is starting their value proposition in their website or somebody who sells a million dollars of consulting a year and wants to grow to 10 million. So we're there to kind of set up the processes and patterns to help build new consulting firms. We, Like I said, we believe in it as a really valuable way to to build companies. The only thing that I would just exhort you there is that it's not just becoming a consultant, it's becoming a consultant salesperson. You have to do two jobs at once. And a lot of people underestimate that. And so if the value for you is in building an unlimited upside and you love to sell already, or you think you'd love to sell, great fit. If you don't love to sell, there are a lot of consultants that sit around waiting for business to walk in the door. It's not really how that field works. The third type are people who want to get more training, but maybe want to stay at their current job. And our company does a lot of training and support and coaching and mentoring while you're at your current job. So if you're like, hey, I would love to think like a consultant, i.e. break down problems more quickly, or I would like to develop my analytical skills and be really good at answering problems with analytics, which is a lot of what consultants do. They do a lot of the data analytics and the research to support that. Or I really need help with presenting. I present and people fall off the call or they're just not that interested or I'm not really driving an impact home. We do a huge line of business internally for organizations. And the the way that people find us is that y'all that are listening to this, you tell somebody on your team, I want you to bring this person in to train us, right? This is the training that your people want. And so they the way that we are found is that organizations bring us in because their people ask for us. And so sometimes they don't know what to provide. That's part of the gap. You can help to fill that gap. Those are the three ways that I think you can kind of develop a pathway into consulting and consulting skills. That's so good. I love those three different options. And each one sounds good. It's not like you're leading us to option four. That's a lot to break down. I think listeners will enjoy using that as a tool either now or developing themselves to a point where later on, whether it be six months down the road or a year or two, they can start heading that direction. Could you dig a little bit more into how resumes and cover letters play such a big part in landing a consultant role? The resume and the cover letter is a tool 
to um, help you when a door is already opened. But usually in these firms, a blind drop actually really doesn't work. It's just, I just really want to emphasize the emphasis on people and people relationships and therefore the the need to introduce yourself in an old school way um, inside these firms. But what somebody's looking for when they're on a call with you is a great looking resume. That's the first thing. They're looking for one page, super professional. We generally use only serif fonts like Times New Roman. And our focus of creating them is that they're looking for a number in every line. They're looking for people who think analytically, even if you're not analytically trained, they want you to have a background so that you can identify how to use analytics, which means that when you describe something, you're saying, I worked with, instead of I worked with a team of people on a project, you're saying I worked with a team of three people on a four month project to save $10,000 for the organization. And really we, when we're editing resumes, which is part of the service line of our business, we get into every single line, every detail, how the resume looks, how it's structured and how it's formatted. The final thing that I just want to say is that actually these consulting firms are looking for four tangible sections on your resume. And I don't know why. It's probably because different people are recommending different things, but these four sections are just not always there. Um, one is your education. They do want to know either where you're currently being educated or where you have been educated. Um, they're looking for your work experience, which is to them the most important part of what you've done. Um, they're looking for leadership experience, which is often the missed category. That's where you've had outside of the classroom or outside of the work experience, leadership roles that are usually non-paid and non-graded. It demonstrates your ability to drive change without authority. And so that is really important when you're working as an external advisor because you can't fire somebody. You can't bring the hose down on them if they're not doing something right. You have to win their trust. You have to woo them. You have to drive through communication and be a change agent inside an organization. And the fourth is a personal section. And this one is often also missed. That's where you would put languages you speak, technical skills. We're always seeing new ones pop up in that. That's kind of fun. It's kind of an other category for other education or certifications or other things that might be a part of your background. And then I think the most important line, the one I always read first, and I would read a batch of 500 resumes at a time. These firms get large volumes. It was the last line. It's called interests. And somebody who writes, I'm interested in food and travel, um, doesn't get the callback. But somebody who says, I'm interested in cooking like Mexican food once a week. And I love traveling, especially to like high altitude locations, most recently X, Y, and Z, right? Like I want to start a conversation with that person. And so um, we're looking for people to put parts of their background on there. I think the resume, the key pieces, as I've mentioned, are the structure, the four parts, the format, that kind of really professional, crisp one-page look, and then also the content, which are those details. What you said was so good about resumes, and it's a careful balance. I talk about data, too, and being yeah. able to basically prove that you've done things versus just passively say that you've done things. Interests are also a delicate balance because in the consulting world, I don't know that as well for an accountant they all start to blend together very quickly. So how mm -hmm. do you add a little bit of yourself? Because that's who people will be working with, especially if you're in an office, yeah. that's who they're interacting with. So when you see those little things, like someone sailed the Atlantic, well, either that's a dream of mine, maybe I'm preparing to do that, or maybe I've done that before. Well, now I just have an easy way to talk to you and that makes me more comfortable, but we also have some things in common, which builds camaraderie. Just these little things you put in or don't put in 
that I believe beyond connecting the dots between your skills, how you can help the company tomorrow and what they're looking for. Also, who am I going to be sitting two cubicles away from every day for the next five years? There's a very important balance of that. Also the intrigue you can build. I always say it's the sailing person that applied. Remember them? Because that's how it goes in the back office. Yeah, it does. It 100% does. You do five interviews and you say, oh, the woman that shaved her head. Oh, yeah, okay, definitely. Let's bring that person back. Not because of that, but you get these little reference points. Exactly. Yeah, you get that in in resumes too. Outside of just the consulting world or or non-consulting, what advice do you have for job seekers that are just looking for direction with what to do next in their career? organizations are actually waiting to hear from humans. I think a lot of what the conversation, I'll talk about this in the reference to consulting and expand it. The conversation for consulting when I first started was consultants will be obsolete in five years because we have data analytics tools, right? And then five years later, it was consultants will be obsolete because we have machine learning. And now it's consultants will be obsolete because we have AI. But in a world of noise, which the more data we have, the more content we have, the more noisy the world gets. What people are really looking for is a touch of humanity in a world of technology. And I just, number one, I I always ask people, right? Bain's a very prominent firm. I'll ask people in my sessions, how many people do you think reached out to me personally while I was at Bain and asked for 15 minutes of my time? And, and people will say 200, 300 a year, right? And the, the number was like six to eight. And, and I think that you would be surprised at how strong the appetite is for people to hear from you directly and for you to connect with them. It's the way around every black hole in an application. It's the way to introduce who you really are. It's the way for people to get to know you and to provide an advantage, but it's also a way for you to get to know organizations that you might like to work with. And the ones that write back to you and who spend time with you are probably really invested in their people. And so I I would just say my encouragement to you would be just add that touch of humanity right to two people inside an organization, ask them very crisply and cleanly for 15 minutes only of their time, tell them you're planning to apply. They're not interested in being the info session person. They do leave that to the recruiters, but they do want to help. Um, And people are happy to invest in the future of their organizations if they care about the organization. And those are the kinds of places that you want to work. So just add that human touch, just a little bit of it. It'll make a really inordinate difference. I think also just pushes away the feeling of discouragement that comes when you feel like you're applying and applying and nothing might be happening. What's the best way for listeners to connect with you and Management Consulted? I love LinkedIn messages. So I'm uh, active and available on LinkedIn, and we can put my personal LinkedIn into the show notes. Uh, The reason I love it is that people have to give me bite-sized LinkedIn questions, and then those I can respond to in under 24 hours. And I respond to 100% of questions that come in through my LinkedIn. If it's a, hey, I've got this question, I love, love, love responding to those. Our organization has a similar policy, but it's usually better if you're not sure what you might need to reach out just directly team at managementconsulted.com to our organization. You can ask your question. Um, Feel free to connect us. And if anything that we talked about today uh, is helpful, we can either point you to the right place on our free content. We can point you to the right services or we can point you to the right person to help. We will link to the Management Consulted website, that team at Management Consulted email address, 
and your personal LinkedIn page. We'll put that all in this episode's description. I look forward to having you back and our listeners will benefit more from your experience, your insight. Really excited to talk about resumes and cover letters with you. Until next time, thank you so much for joining us, sharing, again, your insight, your experience, and those words of encouragement. We all really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30, 45, or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes. Don't pay for it. Want to do 30 minutes now and maybe 30 minutes later? Once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you. If you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all and can help you succeed like I have so many others, it's super simple. Just go to jobinterviewexperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you want to meet and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over. You won't get charged any more than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, the faster you land that dream job. Go to jobinterviewexperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.